is the top of the hour, and that means it is time for Soccer from the Zoo on KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Kyle Pinnell, and I'll be going solo tonight uh, as Michael's still a little bit busy, but there's plenty to talk about, starting with the Champions League. Lots of Champions League action coming. I'm very excited. I figured out how to get that song into the show. We got some Premier League action coming, and we have a whole heck of a lot more to talk about. And as, as usual, tonight I'm going to start the show talking a little bit of Everton, talking a little bit of Tottenham. So much to discuss. None of it good for Michael nor myself. You know, I'm going to start with Everton this afternoon. Everton lost 2-1 at home against Burnley. Never, never a good thing to lose at home, but it's something Everton's been doing a lot of these days. But to Burnley, and this really starts early on in the game, Everton go down 2-0 relatively early, and that's something you can't do against Sean Dyche and Burnley, a team that's very solid defensively, that likes to sit back and they're really good at executing that now. They also know when to press ahead. And against against this Everton team, that first 30 minutes, they caught them off guard. Got a couple of goals. The second one, a wonder goal into the top left-hand corner. No, corner nothing Jordan Pickford could do. And if, if you're Everton, that's a terrible result to be taking. Another home loss. These are, these are the games Everton needs to be taking all three points from. Now, now, last week I went with Everton. I went through some of the or the recent schedule or upcoming schedule, and I, I looked at some of those games, and I think I called Burnley at home a draw, and I think that would have been a fair result. Everton get back into the game thanks to a dominant cover, Lewin Header. He scores again, 19 goals. I believe that's a uh, the most an Evertonian um, striker has scored in a while. Um, or a few, um, probably multiple decades actually. So now that Calvert Lewin can still score, that's good. Richarlison, his scoring streak comes to an end at I believe four games. He did not score. They needed one of those goals from Richarlison. I I think that at this point it's an Everton team out of ideas. They they miss a player like um, Decore, right? He he's a player that provides energy. He's not the most technically sound. But he's going to run up and down the pitch the entire 90 minutes, shuttling the ball from area to area on the field. And ultimately, that's kind of what Everton's missing. They, they had a good performance out of, of Tom Davies, the number six uh, for them, who they started, pair him with Allen. I thought the starting lineup was pretty strong. You're still missing uh, a player like Hamas Rodriguez. But again, not much Everton can do there. You just This is a game you can't drop. You can drop the ones at Chelsea. That's understandable. You can take zero points from that. Nobody expected Everton to do much more with it. Uh, on the road, I mean, 9 of 13 wins. Now, I believe 9 of 14. Just not a good good performance. And I think right now, and Pickford went out at, at the game against Burnley, too, with an injury. Joe Virginia got his first Premier League minutes for the Toffees, and he was okay. I mean, not much to do after Burnley couldn't muster another goal after going up 2-0. Uh, Everton had a bunch of time to kind of get that second, but by then you look back at the defensive shape, and that's just what Burnley are so, so, so good at. And and again, for Everton now, a few weeks ago, you talk, what if Everton comes in? Are they still Champions League contenders after they beat Liverpool at Anfield? Well, obviously that was too good to be true. I even came on and said that. I, I don't expect Everton to be a top-four team 
There's too many talented teams for that. You got City breaking away. You got United just jumped Leicester City uh, for the second seed. Leicester's in third. I believe Everton is 10 points off of Leicester or in that range. Chelsea has the talent and the depth to go forth. So really, you're looking at a battle between four or five, six, and seven for European places. You, Tottenham's got to be in there. I mean, they lost today, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But uh, West Ham's still in those type of places. You have Everton fighting for those places. So, so there's things to look at there. But, but quite frankly, Everton, there is, it's kind of a worry now. Do they not make your... I don't know if that'd be considered a disaster, but to not make it in the European play after the way they started this season and the season they've had has been pretty good. Uh, they've been ransacked by injuries, very unlucky. Like I said, Decore out for with I believe a slight hairline ankle fracture or something in, in, along those lines. Not good for the Toffees. Uh, you look at Hamas Rodriguez; he's inconsistent. You don't know when he's going to play. You don't know when he's not going to play. You just go go up and down the roster. Players missing. Luca Digne missing. Richarlison, he's been more consistent lately. But but now you're looking at the point, if you can't win a home game against Burnley, and these teams have a formula to go in the Goodison Park and win, you're not doing well. And that's kind of a worry. Tottenham's kind of looking good. They lost to Arsenal again, but they they look better in what they've been doing. I think a lot of these teams are so similar. West Ham dropped points. To Manchester United today, one nothing at Old Trafford. So, so you look at all these results, and again, these are all the teams that are fighting for that fourth place. Realistically, just fighting for Europe at this point, and nobody's really t- taking a step up. And that's the one consolation thing for Everton that Tottenham didn't get any points. Chelsea drew today against Leeds, and, and you have West Ham again losing. So that, that's a benefit. Like, who's going to step up and take? The fifth spot, I mean, fourth is still technically up for grabs. And that's something that's enticing. you As the season comes into its final stretch, it'll be something exciting to watch and to look at. Uh, again, I want to talk a little bit about Tottenham. North London Derby today. And I mean, it looked like it would be going Tottenham's way. I know I talked with a few friends about this because I know a lot of Tottenham supporters here at Mizzou. And, you know, uh, one friend asked me for a prediction, like, who, who's taking the North London Derby? And, and for that, I, I believe my prediction, my first one, I, I took Tottenham 3-1. And the reason I did that is because they're a lot like Everton. Michael and I have talked about it on the show a lot, how, how they like to counter, they like to play back a Jose Mourinho style uh, of soccer, and, and you see that. But, but today they lost 2-1, and I, I, I asked, like, where's this game being played? Is it being played at... Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, is it being played at the Emirates Stadium? At Emirates, I thought, like, it was Tottenham, they don't have to play with possession. No pressure there. They can come run on the counterattack, what they like to do. Youngman's son, Harry Kane. Gareth Bale, when he can get in. And that's how they like to play soccer, and that's not ultimately what happened in a 2-1 loss. Now, credit to Arsenal. I know coming into the game, I believe there's some disciplinary act- or issues with uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, really weird that Mikel Arteta, Arsenal's head coach, pretty much made that public uh, in an NBC Sports interview before a pregame interview, say- saying that there- there's reasons um, 
that he's been in the doghouse a little bit. But today, uh, Alexander Lacazette scored for for the Gunners, and so did uh, Martin Oldegaard, I believe, his first Premier League goal. And those came late. Uh, Tottenham got the scoring off. I mean, that's it, what a goal. Eric Lamella scored in, or or just rel- relatively early on, I believe, near the 30th minute. And that goal, type of uh, a Robello-type goal, I mean, the angles are insane. You watch the highlight again and again and again. How he bends it in, it barely, the ball barely leaves the ground. It nutmegs a player or two for Arsenal and goes into the far far right-hand corner. Uh, an unbelievable goal uh, by Eric Lamella. Kind of, Tottenham needed somebody to score, and he didn't. He broke the deadlock in the 30th in that range of minute, right? And... And you look at that, and you're like, Tottenham have the lead they want. They can sit back even more. They can go out on the counter and attack. And that's ultimately not what happened. I mean, the winner was a penalty by Lacazette in the second half. That's all she wrote. Arsenal take the North London Derby, I believe. Not I believe they do. Take all three points. It's a game that very valuable three points, especially in the middle of the table as Arsenal continues to charge up and, and even get into that conversation for a, Europa League spot. Now, now, kind of going around the Premier League, I, I wanted to touch a little bit on Manchester United. Their win against West Ham, that's a, that's a big one. West Ham still sitting in fifth, just two points. I believe they're 48, sitting on 48 points. Everton sitting on 46 points in, in the table. So you look, at, you look at the Premier League standings. I talked about the top four. Yeah, 48 for West Ham, 46 for Everton. Tottenham sitting on 45, Liverpool on 43, Aston Villa 41, Arsenal 41. If Arsenal wins another game, that puts them at 44 points, a point off of Tottenham for that final Europa League spot in seventh, at least at the moment. So there's a lot of important games coming up in in these final few weeks. But Manchester United, 57 points for not winning the league. City's 14 points clear now, 71 points for... Pep Guardiola's side, and really, City, City's won the league again. So then you look at 3-4-5, 57 points for United, 56 for Leicester City, 51 for Chelsea. Very, very interesting just looking at the table, and that's, again, important that Manchester United got the points to kind of leapfrog and, and just try and get, get in the safety in, in the Champions League places. A very solid season from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side uh, in the Premier League. Uh, another thing that, a big storyline actually, and not a, not a whole heck of a lot's happened. I'm going to get into the Champions League talk a little later in the second half of the show. But but you look at Christian Pulisic, and I, I think there's a conversation that needs to be had if you look at that. And he really hasn't played a whole heck of a lot for Chelsea recently under Thomas Tuchel, uh, coming into the side, coaching the side after... Chelsea sang, uh, sacked Frank Lampard. You know, the funny thing, and I've heard this conversation on, on a bunch of other podcasts this week, kind of listening and hearing what the generic conversation is with Christian Pulisic. And, and the thing with him is that he, when he was succeeding and kind of building it up, at Borussia Dortmund when he played there, Thomas Tuchel was the coach. And so now at Chelsea, a bigger side, Tuchel comes in from from um, PSG, I believe, uh, after getting sacked there, and Pulisic hasn't played as much, and that's that's his decision. Chelsea's just so talented, and there's so much talent, uh, or so much 
option and death in the side that Pulisic's a bench player for them. And I saw that firsthand watching them play Everton the other week. But it's still not a good thing as an American soccer fan, seeing Pulisic on the bench. That, that you, you want to see Pulisic step up into, into another a big role. I mean, there's spots there on the wings for Chelsea. And, and I don't know if it's a fitness thing or just how he fits in the tactics and the system that uh, they want to run over there. But there's a lot, lot to be discussed there. But, but overall, with the U.S. Um, men's national team games coming up, you want Pulisic confident. And, and, and you look at where, well, if he's not Chelsea, where he, it's a big club, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Where does he go? And so, you know, I, I, I played a little game just seeing where, where Christian Pulisic goes. Um, and he might not, but he said he's open to it if, he, if the playing situation does not improve for him. And I'm just throwing out a few names here. A lot of them are probably unrealistic, but just, just a thought exercise to, to talk about on the show. I, I made my first thing I wrote down, what about Bayern Munich? And, and I know, I, I know as a Dortmund guy and going to Bayern, there, there's a little bit of a stigma behind that. And now he didn't take the direct uh, leap like Robert Lewandowski did going from Dortmund to Bayern immediately. He, of course, there's that intermediary time at Chelsea where Pulisic's more hot and cold. I, I mean, I think Bayern makes perfect sense. He goes back to Germany. He'll get playing time in Germany. You put him at the left wing spot there, one of the wing positions there. You're not gonna, he's not going to usurp Leroy Sané, who's over with Bayern Munich. But there's just so much talent talent there, but it's also a place that Pulisic's capable of breaking in, and as an American soccer fan, again, I think that's a good move for him. I, I think Bayern Munich would be a great, or a great, perfect place to do it. In the Bundesliga, a very competitive league, a fun league to watch. Uh, he can continue to develop there. And, and the Premier League's a good challenge, but I, I think Bayern Munich's one of the bigger clubs than even Chelsea. They're in the Champions League year in, year out. They They have so much talent, and he has I mean, he knows Germany. I think that's a place he'd be comfortable at going. And again, a thought exercise. I think if I had to rank the places, I I, I would say Bayern Munich would be the top spot um, for me. Next, and the next two are more just like thinking I had to like, what are the bigger sides than Chelsea in the world? Like, where would it be a step up in his career? And well, by name brand, it could be Juventus is another one I've pondered. Um. There's there's room for him there, and, and he can go join his friend Weston McKinney, who he's American friend, who's really excelled for Andrea Pirlo's team this season. I think it also is it's mutually beneficial. You look at Juventus, a, a team that's in the Champions League now. They're not, and I'm going to talk about that a little later. But they fight in the Champions League. They they win their league for the most part. Again, now they're probably not going to do that this year. But I, I think Juventus is a pretty good fit. He, it's a big, big-name club. And, and it, it's a place where I think Pulisic can thrive if he, he wants to go that route in Italy. And now just to mess, mess around, throwing a third country here. Uh, of course, kind of going away from the Premier League. Chelsea, I mean, there's a few sides you can go to. Maybe United in the Premier League, but I didn't throw that in. What about a side like Barcelona? And, and that's a huge club. It's a huge club, and this is probably not realistic at all because of their financial situation. Chelsea will probably want to sell Pulisic for a profit. Of course, he he was um, bought from Dortmund in, in around the 70 million euro range. 
or pound range, one of those um, uh, money measurements. And, and I think Barcelona, they may not be able to pay it. I think Real Madrid is better off financially. There's a lot going on with Barcelona right now and, and the board and the contracts they have. They're in a really tough spot, but Messi, he's probably not going to be there after this year. Uh, lots of rumors. I mean, he, rumors last last transfer window. That opens up a wing spot or, or a secondary striker spot. It opens up an attacking spot at Barcelona. I, I think if you're Pulisic, there's so much history behind the Barcelona name and branding and everything it represents that if he wants to play in Spain, I think that's a place where he could thrive at Barcelona. And I think that would be mutually beneficial. So, again, Pulisic's going to try and fight it out and fight for his place at Chelsea. Just, just something that's been circulating around Twitter and, and social media over the past past few weeks. And, and then, uh, just a quick little note here. Sergio Aguero is finally playing games for Manchester City. I believe it was his first game or appearance, I should say. He didn't start in over a year. Uh, when he came into City's last game, it was kind of cool to see that. Of course, he has the most iconic moment in City history, arguably, against QPR, his last last gasp goal. He played a big part in, in the City teams that were so good, reached 100 points a few seasons ago, and and now he's kind of getting back into the side. It's just City have so many weapons that they can play so many formations that Aguero, you don't need him all the time. And it kind of sucks as a soccer fan not seeing him for a lot of games, but but his attitude's been fine, and it was nice to see him uh, get some time the other day for the first time again in over a year. So I talked a lot of Premier League. Uh, I, I do know that. Uh, so I kind of want to go through the Bundesliga table and then maybe touch on a few other leagues. Um, Schalke, <laughs> 5-0 uh, loss to Wolfsburg. Uh, Werder Bremen lose to Bayern 3-1. to That's not really unpredictable. Of course, Robert Lewandowski scores again because we say that every single week on the show, it feels like. Dortmund get a, a win it really needed uh, domestically against Hertha Berlin. Uh, Julian Brandt, I believe, scored a screamer of a goal in that game. Bayer Leverkusen, this is a big one. They got uh, beaten by Ar- Armenia, uh, Bielefeld, I believe. And geez, that was that's quite the result. Leverkusen, of course, uh, aside in the table, uh, number six now, th- uh, two points behind Dortmund, who are in fifth. But that's that's just a blowing loss um, for Leverkusen, trying to stay in that race for European places, and and that does not look good on their resume. But again, they're still fighting, fighting there. RB Leipzig, another big result, drew. 1-1 against Eintracht Frankfurt. Frankfurt, again, a good side. The thing with that is Leipzig trying to trying to get that top, or pushing Bayern Munich, the only team, or one of the only teams that can push Bayern Munich. They have 54 points. Bayern have 58 now. And, and they were on a little four-game run before for this latest draw. Now they sit at 54 points. Leipzig do. And Bayern has 58 points. So Bayern's trying to starting to slowly pull away, and then there's another six-point gap between uh, Wolfsburg and, or RB Leipzig and Wolfsburg, and then Eintracht Frankfurt is four points off there. So the standings and table in Germany is starting to shake. 
itself out. And finally, just looking ahead at Serie A, some interesting games uh, to look through. Inter Milan beats Turin th- or two to one, and that's an 85th goal by Letaro Martinez. Um, again, in the 85th minute, that helps them see it through. After Antonio Sanabria scored in the 70th, so that's a game that really Inter Milan needed to take uh, against the lower side, which they did. Roma lose 2-0 to Parma. Uh, Milan fall to Napoli 1-0. Matteo Politano in the 49th minute for Napoli. And then Juventus beats Cagliari uh, 3-1, a hat-trick for None other than Cristiano Ronaldo. There's an example of him just in, in domestic competition. He just looks so good. So good. And I believe he had a strong header. And I think that was his 21st goal in the season. So Ronaldo's having a good season for Juventus. I, I think next week, an interesting game. I'm going to have a few interesting games here before we go to break. Leicester City host Manchester City. Uh, in a one-versus-three matchup. I think that's interesting. It's one of the harder games remaining on the schedule for Manchester City. Leicester City just quietly uh, a European team, a, a Champions League side. I think they'll make the Champions League. I think probably finish third, depending on how their race with Manchester United goes. Just always well-coached under Brendan Rodgers. Uh, a good side with some good players and James Madison, Jamie Vardy. You know, it, it's a team that they're in the position I wish Everton was in, honestly. They're such similar sides, and Leicester's found ways of, you know, winning the title, which is never going to—one of the most odd things and crazy things to happen in global soccer. But but to be a Champions League contending squad, they're just going to get better now that they're in those places. Such a good team. I think that's going to be an interesting matchup with City uh, after that United match where City's dropped points. They've won their last two, and— so that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on, really. And then for my game of the week, as I do every week, and when Michael's here, we, we both share our games of the week. Uh, for me, it's got to be West Ham Arsenal. I want to see Arsenal again, see how they build off that win in the North London Derby. I also want to see West Ham, and, and, and it, it seems like you don't hear a lot about the results. Again, they lost 1-0 to Manchester United over the weekend, but... It's a team that quietly picks up the points. They're doing what I wish Everton would do as well, beating the teams they should beat. West Ham's been able to do that. You lose a point uh, to United, okay. It is what it is. That's a team higher than you on the table. But, but they don't make the same gaffes that Everton do week after week. They don't lose to Newcastle and Burnley and uh, Fulham and all these other sides. Like You win the games you're supposed to, and that's – what West Ham have done this season, and that's why they're in the position that they are. So I think this will be a pretty open game, a fun one for a neutral to watch. And so, yeah, I want to see how that momentum carries forth for Arsenal and see what West Ham can do. It seems like I pick West Ham a lot in these type of segments, but but I believe that is for good reason. Um, uh, an interesting side to watch this season under David Moyes. So we are coming to the bottom of the hour. It's probably going to be a quicker episode today. Not a lot happening, but... When I come back, and or we're going to talk some Champions League, some Major League Soccer. I have a few fun conversation topics in there that I want to touch on. Overall, a lot. So be sure to keep your dial here, and 
I'll be back on in Soccer from the Zoo on KCOU 88.1 FM. Welcome back in to Soccer from the Zoo on KCU 88.1 FM. That's a good song. I'm going to let it play out. Starting to formulate a little bit of a premiere, not Premier League, but a soccer playlist for the show. A classic one here. Football is coming home. It's a good one to just blast in the car. You know, it takes me back to being in England during the 2018, right before the World Cup and... And just being there, I went and saw England take on Italy in a, in a friendly just a few months before the World Cup. It was a really fun time, fun watching uh, fun watching England play some soccer uh, at Wembley. Uh, I have a lot of good memories from from that trip. I also got to check out Emirates Stadium and Stamford Bridge when I was there. Overall, a good time. So, so yeah, that's another song on. On this soccer playlist, I'm trying to curate, but I'm going to feed from there, and now we're going to go into the Champions League. And there's a lot of a lot of good games that happened in the past week, and the this group stage is about to, not group stage, but the first round of knockout games is about to conclude after this next week. And I'm sure when Michael will be here next week next week to kind of go through all of that action. Um, but first, I'm going to start off with Dortmund two Sevilla two. Dortmund advances five to four and to the next round. Again, this is exactly what a team and a side like like Dortmund want to do, uh, especially with the, the domestic league and fighting for the Bundesliga. They're not going to win the league. They're fighting to get back into the Champions League, but but they look good off of it. And there's one reason for that, and it's Erling Holland, one of the best strikers in the world. A brace again against Sevilla to help his team through. I thought that was an interesting game to watch. I, I think it was a little bit of a slow and sloppier game. Sevilla likes to get stuck in. They like to make games frustrating, frustrate other teams. Lots of that going on. And and I think it's good by Dortmund to pick up, pick up the result they needed. And to win this matchup against Sevilla. So that's one, the first of four Champions League games. Then you also look at uh, another game here. Juventus 3, Porto 2. And there's a conversation to be had about this game. Uh, Porto advance on away goals. And that's something I do want to talk about in a second. But that away goal came in the 115th minute in, in extra time or added time. And this is a game... Juventus dominated every aspect of. 31 to 14 in shots. They had 69% possession. But again, Porto down 3-1. Get it to 3-2. But it does not matter because of away goals. Juvent, uh, or Juventus, yeah. They they dropped that result in, in Porto. And Porto have the two away goals. 
And that's what ultimately sent them through. And that touches on a larger overall conversation about the away goals rule and something I've been learning more about over the past few years. And the same thing in Major League Soccer. And it's interesting, really. As far as my thoughts on this, I don't necessarily love the away goals rule. I, I don't like the way it was used in this situation. I know it's a part of the game's history. But, but what I mean by that is how it's an added time you can get an away goal and it counts just like how, how, you, how, the, how the goal would not count if it was in the other place. And to clarify what I mean by that, you look at the game in Porto, that game's not going to added time. It's just the first leg. Second leg, these added goals or the road goals count or away goals count. And, and there could potentially be an extra 30 minutes if it goes into stoppage time. And I don't like that. I, I think that it would be better without away goals, even the two-leg system. And I know it's history, and that's not going to change. But I, I think once you get past the group stages and into the knockout rounds, single knockout would be fun. I, I think it gives more of an advantage to the teams that deserve deserve their place and the home, the home side. And I'm finding a way to work that out. But it's a conversation I'd love to have with Michael. Unfortunately, he's not here today, but... But one that warrants a lot of conversation, I'm sure we'll touch on it in the future. The third result, PSG 1, Barcelona 1. Another, it was an okay game. It wasn't that open. It's what you'd expect after PSG win 5-1 or 4-1 in the first game against Barcelona. And this is a game that plays perfectly into what Barca or what PSG wanted to do. Once you're up by that many goals, all you can really do is sit back, and it, it makes it so that Barcelona couldn't really break PSG down. Now, they came close a few times, and I, I didn't think it was a terrible performance by Barcelona. But that's where that 4-1 game got away from them, or that's where that result got away from them in that 4-1 game. Because PSG, they didn't have to attack the game at all. They could sit back. They can absorb wave after wave of Barcelona attack and then strike on the counter and it's Messi scoring in the game and killing Mbappe scoring in the game. So really not a lot there to touch on. It's about the result you would expect. PSG move on and I've talked about Barcelona. I've talked about Juventus. Crazy to think that is probably Lionel Messi's last Champions League game in a Barcelona shirt. And that's just unbelievable to think about that he's been so iconic there for decades. And now, you know, a lot of stuff happening off the field with the club. And he will most likely not be there the next time they take the field. And he'll probably be playing for another side. Kind of reminds me of uh, Buffon, Gigi Buffon, leaving Juventus and playing at at PSG um, for a spell. And it's just weird. It's kind of crazy, but... It is what it is, and it's kind of sad to kind of think that, and you go back to thinking that Juventus-Barcelona matchup, that seeing Messi and Ronaldo on the same pitch in the Champions League, it's crazy. It's crazy. And finally, Liverpool go through to the next round. They beat uh, RB Leipzig 4-0 aggregate, 2-0 just this week. Uh, Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane score in the 70 and 74th minute uh, as Red Bull, or not Red Bull, RB stretched the lead 
or are trying to stretch and play out. That's what I mean by that. That they're playing more open, chasing the game. And with that, I mean Liverpool can take advantage. And that's where building that lead in, in a first leg of any series is just so beneficial because you don't have to chase the game. As I was touching on with PSG and, and Barcelona, you can just sit back and go. And as the game became more open, Liverpool took advantage. And they're going to advance. And it's kind of crazy. You look at Liverpool's home form in Premier League games, and it's nowhere close to what they're doing in the Champions League. This is good for them. We'll see if this time they can bring that success in Europe back domestically and go on a run near the end of the season. But, you know, I didn't think it was Leipzig's best series. Liverpool know how to win in the Champions League. They've won it before. They've made a lot of recent finals. It's good on them for, for picking up that result, and they'll advance forward. So, again, kind of going through the recap, Dortmund advance, Porto advance, PSG advance, and Liverpool advance. And, and next week, you're looking at a few interesting games, actually, and I do want to touch on that in the show. So I'm going to start off with Real Madrid versus Atalanta. Real Madrid are up 1-0, in aggregate. And, and there's some interesting touch points here. Madrid have progressed from eight of the last knockout rounds when the first game, when they won their first game away, which they had against Atalanta. Going back, not to the Bernabeu because that's under, under res- renovations, but another stadium in Madrid. Uh, and, and another thing, Madrid's won 11 of the last 12 games versus Italian teams. And again, this is Atlanta they're playing. So the statistics kind of balance it out. It's a good thing for uh, Real Madrid, and it looks like they'll probably go through, but it's still anyone's game. 1-0, you look at road goals. Madrid Madrid have won. Now if Atlanta gets two goals at the Bernabeu, they, they lead on goal, uh, goal differentials and road goals. So... It'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Manchester City up 2-0 on Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think that's another interesting game. I mean, you look at you look at that tie, and, and City's never lost to uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach in the uh, Champions League. They've won 10 of their last 11 games at the Etihad. I, I think City have this series wrapped up. Gladbach's been kind of struggling in the Bundesliga. City's looking good once again. I mean, if there's one way to beat them, you do the Manchester United model of really hitting them on the counter and, and just being solid defensively. I, I just don't think that Gladbach have that solid solidity, defensive solidity that they need, especially on the road. I mean, they can go up and play counterattacking soccer, but I mean, I don't think it'll be at City's level. I think City has enough to get a goal or two and kind of put this series out of reach. Turning to Bayern and Lazio, Bayern Munich lead 4-1. That series is pretty much over. You probably wouldn't need to watch it. Bayern looked good. Really, really good. I think Bayern, again, is contending, um, is a worthy contender to win Champions League again this season. Now, I think there are some other good teams in the mix, but I've liked what I've seen from the Bavarians. Uh, They've won, and this is an impressive stat, kind of just doing some research for the show, under Hansi Flick, their last um, six Champions League home games, they've outscored opponents 18-3 to on aggregate. 18 
to three. That's that's frankly incredible, especially even for as good as Bayern Munich are at the Allianz Arena to get 18 goals to three. And this is a team that made a Champions League winning run last season. So it's not just all group stage games. There's there's some more in that. So yeah, I think Bayern take it and, and get through. And then you look at Chelsea Atletico. This one, it was my game to watch last in the first leg. Once again, it's one to watch. I think it's very tactically interesting. 1-0, Chelsea pick it up on a bicycle kick um, from their striker, who I should know the name of, but I am blanking on. Oh, Olivier Giroud. That's who it is. And to pick up that 1-0 win, that is an away goal. So again, you look at that situation. I, I think Atletico, they really need to get out of their shell, and it's a very defensive-oriented team. I, I think that's... Uh, I, I think... I don't know how I feel about that game. Chelsea have won only one of their last three home Champions League games against Atletico Madrid. This is a, a series that has... or a draw that has some history in it. I think with Atletico chasing the game, Chelsea just are so clinical. They've gotten even better defensively, and they have better offensive attacking weapons. I know Atletico has Jao Felix, and you have Luis Suarez, and options there, and of course a really good defense. I just think they're going to be chasing the game, and I and when the, these both of these teams open up, I think it's Chelsea that has the upper hand there, just with their attacking talent and everything it can do, and the games at Stamford Bridge. They, they've had some success in the Premier League at home recently. They don't struggle in that type of situation, so I, I think Chelsea goes through. So, again, kind of looking through and what I've, I've said, with some, who's going through, right? Real Madrid versus Atalanta. I have Real Madrid going through. I have City going through against Gladbach. I have Bayern going through against Lazio. And Chelsea holding on and going through against Atletico. I think Atletico picks up a, a goal. I think Chelsea picks up one or two as well. So, lots of interesting Champions League action going on. In the next week. And finally. I have a few interesting MLS touch points. I I do want to get through. And first MLS odds. The season's coming back soon. And the odds just have been released. Um, I forget which book they're on. Um, DraftKings. I wanted to take a look at at those odds. And real quick. I I know preseason started for a lot of sides. Sporting Kansas City won 4 nothing against Phoenix Rising, and Wilson Harris had a great hat-trick. A lot of quality goals. He's, he's going to be a piece for Sporting Kansas City that I'm going to be excited to see this next year. A homegrown player who has a, a sight, uh, who can see the, see the goal, put balls in the back of the net. I talked about him a little on my most recent episode of the Kansas City Soccer Update. I'm sure there'll be more where that comes from. But, but again, back to the MLS Cup odds. And these are just the top five. I know it's the, the list has been... Added to a little longer, but I'm going to start with these sides. LAFC number one at, at plus 375 to win MLS. Now, LAFC's been good, but they've never been able to get over that hump in the playoffs. They've had a lot of disappointments in MLS playoffs, lost to RSL in their expansion season. They just haven't been able to reach an MLS Cup yet. It's easier said than done, and and that's the side that, with so much talent, you'd, you'd think Carlos Vela would play more. Season, hopefully, it's more of a normal season. They're, they're a very talented team. I don't know if I'd rank them number one or the most likely team to win it all. But 
It's interesting. There's a lot of interesting teams on this list. Uh, second, Columbus Crew. I think it's fair. Defending champions. Um, number two, I, I think there's a lot more teams more talented than they are. But Caleb Porter is, is a tested coach. They won it the season prior. They have a good midfield. They bring in probably a signing of the offseason in Kevin Molino from Minnesota United. I think that, that that's an interesting one. And I think Columbus Crew are worthy of it. They have a good midfield again. Um, but they're one of those teams that always flies under the radar until playoff time. And then they know how to win games. And that's a dangerous side right there. A team that knows how to win games. So they're at plus 450, tied with the Seattle Sounders. This one kind of makes me scratch my head. And really, they have talent. Seattle has the talent. They're always one of the more talented teams in the league. And they always know how to win, especially in the second half of the season. You don't have to tell me how many times that Seattle looks like they're down and out, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the summer, oh, there goes Seattle, back to 1-2-3 in the West every year. That's how they play. They're very good on a Brian Schmetzer, one of the best coaches in Major League Soccer. A really good striker in Rayo Rui Diaz. I, I just don't think, like, at, at plus 450, I think the Sounders are fine, but not like third best odds to win MLS Cup fine. Like, I, I don't know what I think of that. I think there's these rankings are kind of odd. Uh, it's almost like they put up all the big cities and kind of hope in the big markets. I mean, I know I just said Columbus and I just hope something sticks. I mean, the next one's Toronto FC, uh, plus 550. They have a solid team, but again, it's Major League Soccer, so please do not ever bet on Major League Soccer, as, as people should know. It would not be. Something wise to do. Toronto FC coming in at fourth at plus 550. Philadelphia Union coming in at fifth at plus 700. And those are the top five. And I know there's been tables that have been released even more. But I don't know how I feel about this list. I think LAFC should be in the top five. I don't know if they're number one material. But again, I think they deserve to be there. Columbus, I think, is worthy of that. You just look at some of these names. I, I think Sporting Kansas City is in 8th or ninth, and, and Portland is in 13th. And some of these sides are way too low. Way too low. And I, I still don't know how I, I feel about it. Again, don't bet on MLS. I think it's a, a league of parity, a fun league to watch. And, and with the season coming up, we'll see how those play out. Finally... The schedule's out. Uh, again, Major League Soccer is coming closer. Preseason games are happening. There's balls going to the back of the net. There's own goals being committed by goalkeepers who allow the ball to roll past them in the first 30 seconds of a game. Major League Soccer. It's almost here, and it's so exciting. So, so exciting. And I wanted to look at some of the home openers. Um, I chose five, and this is a quote-unquote ranking. I, I can be swayed in many different directions. There's a few good games that I did want to touch on. That I'm at least looking forward to opening weekend or two, or at least the home openers, seeing these stadiums again. I'm very excited about that. And the lead the list for me, I mean, we've got some really good rivalry matchups. And, and it starts with Atlanta United traveling to Orlando to take on Orlando City. Orlando! Yeah, that Orlando City. Joseph Martinez, speaking of him, he is back. Or he should be, I think, coming off an ACL tear. Um, or at least getting more healthy. I hope he's coming back. 
but he will be early on in the season if he's good for that game. He always scores against Orlando City. Orlando City, a team that's so fun to watch now. Um, uh, Daryl DK, he's now with Barnsley in England. But you look at some of the other pieces. Um, look at Mueller. Uh, Mueller. I, I do not know why I can't say that name. But also, you have a new you have a new piece in Pato, and an exciting team that that's been able to play so well, especially last year making the playoffs for the first time. And this is an Atlanta United team that beat Orlando so many times until last season when when they didn't. And Orlando City finally got the wins they needed over their quote unquote rival. I think it's becoming more of a rivalry. So I think for me, that's probably the game I'm most excited about. There's always fireworks when these two teams match up, and I think that will happen once again. Another one, uh, the Canadian Classic, uh, wherever that's being played, or um, between Club de Foot Montreal and Toronto FC, no longer in the Montreal Impact. And boy, that will be a fun one. Those games are also always electric. I always remember that playoff series between the, those two sides and, and and how crazy that was. Josie Altidore had quite the series in that. And, and I think that that's a rivalry that uh, kind of goes underrated in, in Major League Soccer, but will be going on in opening week. I don't know if that game's going to be in Florida or where it's going to be held with those two sides. And then you look at... Now, my next game here, LAFC, they're going to open their season by hosting Austin FC. Mainly saying this because of Austin FC and uh, expansion side, their first game in Major League Soccer. I think LAFC takes this game, but it's always fun to see see some of these new teams coming into the league and seeing what they're made of and uh, where, where their strengths and weaknesses are and what they're doing and a little bit of everything. I'm so excited to see that with Austin FC. Of course, LAFC had to travel to Seattle to open their season or expansion season. Now they get to host an expansion team in Austin FC. And finally, or not finally, I, my, I guess my fourth game that I'm watching for sure, Sporting Kansas City opened their uh, season in Kansas City against Orlando City. Again, Orlando City's on this list. I talked about just their style of soccer and their their fast play and openness, and it'll be exciting. This game's in Kansas City. This is Sporting's home opener. And again, I said I'm watching, so I, I think I'll be at this game. I'm very excited to be going back to some soccer games, both in Kansas City and then Portland, I believe, um, watching Major League Soccer. And, and it should be a really good game. I think Sporting Kansas City won the West last season, and it's a team that has pieces. You, I just talked about Wilson Harris, a hat trick in his first game defensively trying to be more sound. That's what Peter Vermees talked about after that preseason game against uh, Phoenix Rising. Then you have uh, a, a player in Johnny Russell, a new captain. You got some new signings there, and Nicholas Isamont Marin. You have Remy Walter in the midfield. You, there's so many interesting things to watch, and of course I know more about sporting because it's a team that I've been following close, more closely over the past year and need to learn more about and covering them for the Kansas City Soccer Update. I'm so excited to see that game, see, see what the pieces are. See Alan Polito back in action. I've never seen him live. And I hope I get to see that in the home opener against Orlando City. It's it's going to be a fun one. I'm excited for Major League Soccer to return and to be, be at Children's Mercy Park, hopefully for some good weather in that one. 
And yeah, I think that'll be a good home opener. And then after that, Inter Miami opens its season at home or its home season, home schedule by hosting LA Galaxy. You see, I, I find that matchup fascinating. Uh, I, I I honestly do. Um, not the best teams, are, but LA Galaxy are, are what they are. Inter Miami trying to rebound after a terrible expansion season. I don't know how they go about doing that. Um, but. But I think this will be an interesting game. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. And Miami, I don't know. I want to see more of them. They have some promising designated players and and pieces on their roster. LA Galaxy, it's always interesting to see where on the spectrum they're going to fall, whether it be high up or or where they've been falling recently, just lower down, maybe fight into the playoffs, maybe not. So I think that'll be interesting to see as well. So... That kind of wraps it up for all the Major League Soccer touch points I had and lots of good home openers. I'm sure I'm going to talk more about them in future shows. Uh, speaking of that, this will probably be the last time you hear me on the main Soccer from the Zoo show until, or at least for a few weeks until Major League Soccer is almost back and maybe we do some sort of preview episode. Uh, a gist of Major League Soccer and, and its return. Uh, I'll be gone next week. Michael's going to have the show. And then the week after, I think we're going to take a week off. It's spring break for us students here at the University of Missouri. Going to relax, watch some good soccer. So so this is probably the last time you're going to hear from me kind of taking on the hosting reins tonight. Uh, again, this is Soccer from the Zoo. Uh, you can follow us at Soccer at the Zoo. That's Z-O-U. You can follow myself at Kyle underscore Pinnell underscore. You can follow Michael Howie at by Michael Howie. Again, we are live, for the most part, 7 to 8 p.m. Central each week, either on KCOU.FM's website or on the TuneIn app. Just search up KCOU.FM. And I believe that's all I have. So Champions League Soccer, I'm sure Michael will recap it all. Lots of exciting things to occur and to happen. And make sure you're watching that and... Stay tuned for Kansas City Soccer Update along the podcast feed. Lots happening. Lots happening. And enjoy another week of soccer. Enjoy the weather. And get out. Uh, this has been Kyle Pinnell, and this is uh, Soccer from the Zoo on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia.